Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for Sports Talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best of your sports talk. For Monday, March the 25th, I'm your host, D.A. And after the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament, one game stands above the rest far more than any of the other games, perhaps even combined from what we saw this weekend. Duke and UCF played a thriller where the Knights had the Dukies, the number one overall seed, dead to rights, a four-point lead and possession But an alley-oop goes awry, a three-pointer back down the other end for Duke, and then the Zion plus-one play, rebound, goes to Duke, the putback is good, Blue Devils lead, and a last-second shot by UCF rims out. So, Duke moves on to the Sweet 16 and survives. Mike DeCourcy has covered college basketball for a long time. He joined Mully and Haw on the score in Chicago. Was Duke UCF the game of the tournament? The first thing I would say is what I remembered is Aubrey Dawkins' arm above the rim, the ball tapped, and thinking, I mean, and I think pretty much saying out loud, uh, you know, oh, my God. I mean, it, it, at that moment, I mean, no one got up there with him. Zion was blocking out. Javon Deloria did not see him coming down the lane. Uh, he was all alone, and it was him and the rim and the ball. And I think he put it up a little hard, and it bounded off. And and if it had, you know, if he had tipped it right, uh, we would have uh, a we would have had one of the great upsets in the tournament. I know it's only a nine over a one, but you're talking about the one overall seed and and a team that up until. Friday had never won an NCAA tournament game. So it, that's what I remember. But I would caution everyone. Look, I'm not saying Duke's a perfect team. They clearly have outside shooting issues that are unlikely to be resolved by the pressure of the NCAA tournament. I mean, they may surprise us and go out and have a game or two where that's a difference maker for them. They are not a good shooting team. That's, that's beyond dispute. But Central Florida, UCF, with Taco Fall out there, and I said this in advance of the game because I watch them a lot, they change everything about how you play because of Taco Fall. I mean, he commands so much space in the lane, and it's so hard to operate against him. And he, and he, and he sucks so much, uh, basically, life out of the opposing team. And Zion Williamson had 32 points, and until he made the last three, he barely knew he was out there. I mean, the, the most dynamic player in college basketball in a generation. And Taco Fall made him disappear in a lot of ways. It, it, so I, I would say it, usually it, tournament games are their own entity. And if you go back over the course of 
teams' national championship runs, you can often find, not always, but you can often find a game that the team was fortunate to win. And UCLA in 95 had to have Tyus Edney go coast to coast. Uh, Christian Leitner had to shoot uh, the ball with 2.1 seconds left to beat Kentucky in 92. All those things, uh, you know, didn't imp- didn't uh, impede those teams from winning the championship. So I-, I might look at last night as being like that, but even more of an anomaly because of Taco. Mike, you mentioned the shooting struggles that Duke had, and maybe that was something that we've underrated in watching this game was Johnny Dawkins' game plan to make sure that Duke was forced to have to go to that. Yeah, you know, I, I, he did a really nice job with that in in this sense. I mean, like I said, Taco himself, just putting him on the floor is all you have to do to get teams to to have to depend a lot on their outside shooting. But even more so, it was it was genius when he matched Taco Fall, who is seven foot six, against Trey Jones, who I believe at best is six foot two, uh, and and had him guard Trey Jones. And and it, it like, what do you mean he's guarding Trey Jones? Well, Trey. It, Trey couldn't get by him because there was no room. And so Trey, when he made a play, either had to give the ball to someone else or he had to try to take a shot. And Taco was basically hanging out in the middle of the lane. And if Trey started to shoot it, he would then take one step, reach up, and make the shot. I mean, it was like the most amazing closeouts you've ever seen because he only had to take one step and reach up. and (laughs) Raise his hand. That's it. And that's it. It'll be tough to top that one just because you had two good teams going back at one another, shot after shot, some mistakes as well, but that is the NCAA tournament in a nutshell. Hopefully we get games like perhaps North Carolina, Kentucky, or maybe a Duke, Michigan. Hopefully we get some games between one and two seeds or perhaps number one seeds of the Final Four in the National Championship game that are like that Duke-UCF game, but for now, the first weekend, which was pockmarked by so much predictability, that was a fun one. It's always tough to watch Duke move on unless you have them in your bracket, but is Duke the most hated team in both college or the pros? Jamie and Stoney weighing in on 97.1, the ticket in Detroit. I don't know. I literally, and so you know me, I know a lot of people. Not yes. as many as Chris Chelios, but I know a fair amount of people. I do not know a single Duke fan. Now, I know a lot of people who will pick them in their brackets right. and therefore root for their brackets to be correct, but I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't see Duke gear around unless the person actually went to Duke. Oh, I see Duke gear around. They but all went to Duke. No, they didn't. But yes, I, they did. Because I've seen a lot of young kids wear Duke stuff over the years and, and things like that. But no, they are. I agree wholeheartedly, they are the num- most hated team in professional or collegiate sports if, universally. Yes, they are. Here, but, I'll put on an APB. If you're a Duke fan out there and you didn't go to Duke, give us a call. 248-539-9797. Or your family member or somebody. Oh, my kid goes to Duke. Well, whatever. Different. Yeah, yeah. Mrs. Battier, don't call it. Yes. Okay, we understand why you're a Duke fan. All right. Yes, yeah, that's you're, fine. You're allowed to be. A you're Duke allowed fan. to be a Duke fan. Yeah, but uh, but like like we said, why was always the hated Duke guy, the white guy? There are a lot of kids who grew up. You know, you see the way the demographics are in the NBA and in college basketball as well. The best teams usually have more African Americans. If you're a white kid and you see a team that has a decent amount of white players on their team and they're really good, sometimes people get a tra- tra- drawn to that. So I think there are yeah, Duke but all those fans guys are putzes. I understand like you don't that. Want to, like, like, but when you're 12 and 13 years old, you might not realize the putz factor of, you know, Cherokee Parks. 
Yeah, but see, I, I see. I disagree with that. I think like kids today, who do they want to be? Zion. No, they want to be Steph Curry. Okay. Okay. Who's black? Yeah. Like I don't think I don't think white kids could look around the NBA and go, uh, um, uh, Gordon Hayward. No, I know, but I'm saying, but all of a sudden you see this out of nowhere. Oh, it's been around for a while, and people might you know be attracted to that. I think you're so wrong. Some people root for their. Own. I don't know. I okay, didn't. Give me one example. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm wondering why, why a lot of these lily white schools, a lot of them have fans who didn't go to their schools. That's, they don't. That's my point. Some, there are some. No, they don't exist. Okay, so the 15% in our, our Twitter pool, there are, our poll are lying. Um, yes, they're lying. Okay. Or they all went to Duke. So we're going to get into we, a, num- have, so we're gonna get in a numbers argument. We, we have a very we, high... We both agree that Duke is the most hated team in professional collegiate sports. You happen to think it's 100%. I happen to think it's about 85 to 90%, and we're going to argue about that. Here's my friend Dave who just texted me. I hate Duke. That's all it says. Okay, well, just, I most Duke. people I know hate Duke too, but yeah. there are, you know, they do have some fans. I disagree. The Yankees are pretty hated. Patriots are pretty hated. Cowboys and Lakers, pretty hated. Notre Dame, pretty hated. Duke is in that conversation, but I don't think you can say that Duke is the most hated team, only because when it comes to college basketball, most people only tune in in March anyway. So are they the most hated team for very short bursts for a couple of weekends in March? Sure, but I think all those other franchises probably loom a little larger in terms of hatred year-round. Once upon a time, the kings of the college basketball world involved Jimmy King and the Fab Five at Michigan. And Jimmy actually joined Dan Cilio, a 97.3 The Fan in San Diego. The Fab Five with Weber and Jalen Rose, Jawan Howard, Jimmy King, all of those guys obviously had swagger and attitude and made their own headlines. I wonder, what would it be like if they played in the modern era? What would it be like if the Fab Five had social media tracking their every move? Here's Jimmy King with Dan Cilio on that point. I'm glad that the social media wasn't around um, when we were coming up because <laughs> we were doing some things that, um, yeah, I don't even want to mention over the air. But, uh, <laughs> but thank God there wasn't any social media for uh, for uh, for us to uh, uh, to be exposed, but but. Yeah, but I think it's a good thing. I think it's it's good for um, you know the ind- individuals. You can you can have a direct relationship with uh, one of your uh, you know best players, or you know you could reach them or have access to them. I think it's a good thing. Um, I think it's just a society that we live in. It's is is good for future uh, business and the technology and the growth and and everything. So it's. We have to embrace it, and um, if you use it wisely, it's a, it's a good tool. And you know, the kids understand it. I mean, you you have kids that you know two, three years old, they know how to use a a phone and, and get on social media and scroll through pictures and can tell a story. So um, it's almost like uh, you know the new hieroglyphics. <laughs> We're using everything by picture. Um, but, but, you know, I, mean, I heard you say, uh, you know, you're, you're going to, um, mention Zion and, you know, people have been asking me so much about Zion this year and what I think about him and, uh, the comparisons and everything. And I, I just think that, 
you know, he's a great kid. I met him last year at the uh, 2018 uh, McDonald's All-American game. <clears throat> and while he was taking, you know, everybody was lined up to take pictures with him, he came over to take a picture with me. So just to draw a parallel, like how big of a star we were and how they are now, um, that young kid recognized, you know, held up the gym to come take a picture with me. So all the people that was in that gym, he was the only, or I was the only one that he wanted to take a picture with. And, you know, that's why I tell people, like, he has um, a lot of respect for, you know, the game and um, the history of the game. And, you know, he's, you know, like he said, his interviews, he's not just, you know, a doctor or a basketball player. You know, that's the reason why kids like that go to school. They were already a cultural phenomenon of the early 90s. It would just be next level. We see Zion highlights on our phone since the day that he was dunking in high school. Guys like Antonio Brown can consume entire news cycles based on what they tweet or post on social media. Yeah, the Fab Five, Michigan on Twitter or Instagram, blowing up our phones all the time with the latest, it would have been madness. It'd be a totally next-level type of attention that the Fab Five would have gotten. That Duke-UCF game had it all. Late game swings, star players, NBA potential on the floor, and a what, 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 no type of ending. What was the best part of that game? Here's the morning show with John and Hugh on 92.9 The Game in Atlanta. Mark, talk to me about everything that game was. It was Taco Fall versus Zion Williamson. It was Johnny Dawkins oh, against man. Coach K. It was Aubrey Dawkins, who otherwise would have been the superstar of the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the, the finish, the way Duke came back, and the, the missed oh, shot at the man. end, and oh, my God. Well, you covered the bases. I mean, a lot of branches on that tree. Um, clearly, it went to the top of the list in terms of um, top games for all of the things you mentioned, quality of play. Uh, obviously, the Knights, I think I charted it. I think the Knights won six, maybe seven of the four of the ten four-minute segments that you look at um, during a game and still found themselves coming up short. And it happens that way in any game, but particularly this time of year in the tournament. It's one and done. The ball rolls a certain way. A call bounces your way. I mean, both teams played at a high level. And um, you can make a case that, both deserve to win, but we know the reality is only one can. And do credit those guys, man. Zion made a big time play uh, to get that and one opportunity. Barrett comes up with an offensive rebound on a missed free throw where had Taco Fall not fouling out, fouled out, perhaps he's there to get that rebound. So a lot, a lot of top level plays. And Duke survives, and uh, I think the game of the tournament thus far. So now, as we look at it, uh, Clark Kellogg, did Duke survive the biggest scare? In other words, when the when Aubrey Dawkins' tip rolled off the front of that iron and fell to the floor, and the clock went to zero zero, did Duke win the national title? Because that's the scare they were going to no, get. Oh heck, no, no, I didn't think they were. I mean, they're their favorites, but I mean, you can see that there's ways that you can make it tough for them. You keep the lane plug. You make shots, you attack. You got to take care of the ball because live ball turnovers are lethal because they're going to make you pay if you have live ball turnovers. But if you keep it in the half court, compete on the glass, they've got tremendous talent. 
But no, they they're the favorites, but not by a prohibitive margin. So no, it didn't change anything. You get scared during this tournament. Most championship teams do have a game where they've got to survive and, and make a play to, to get through six. But um, no, they didn't win the national champ. They just survived is what they did. That's what the, the reality is. They survived to play again. So what makes it the best game? You have all of those plot twists, and you have the number one overall seed on the ropes in the round of 32, and a football school, a directional Florida college, putting Duke, the Blue Bloods, on the ropes was just awesome. But also you have a great team rising to the occasion and finding a way to win. And Duke pretty much writes its storybook ending, but they've got to get to a Final Four and a national championship game for this run to be worth it because with all those lottery picks and the expectations on this team, just getting to the Sweet 16 and then flaming out there is not going to be enough. College basketball ruled the weekend, except there was a massive football story that also grabbed headlines. That was Rob Gronkowski, tight end of the Patriots, retiring, announcing his retirement. Now, perhaps... He might be backing off that a little bit as Drew Rosenhaus, his agents suggest that right now he's retired. Could Gronk perhaps come back and play for the Patriots in the playoffs and things like that? We'll wait to see. But for now, the Pats have to prepare this season without Gronk. Life after one of the great tight ends of all time. Did the announcement catch the Patriots off guard? Here's Mutt and Callahan on WEEI in Boston as they welcome on Adam Schefter. You know, it's a good question. I don't think they were caught entirely off guard. I think that they were prepared for the idea that this could happen. I think that there were certain people in the organization that that expected this, to be perfectly frank. So I I don't think it could come as that much of a surprise to them. But saying that, it does leave them in a very, very difficult and vulnerable, vulnerable spot. I mean, you're talking about a team here now that, again... I think has struggled to add upgrades at certain spots here all along. And it's not just now. And it becomes accentuated when you get a guy like Rob walking away from the game and depriving Tom Brady and that offense of yet another weapon. But, I mean, you just go back and look, right, at all the tight ends and wide receivers um, that this team has missed out on. And at some point, I mean, they've been so good at overcoming it. But it's just incredible that when you go back, like you let Wes Welker go, okay, no problem. Uh, you let Brett, you trade Brandon Cooks, you let Danny Amendola walk, Josh Gordon suspended, um, Gronkowski retires. And who has been brought in? Like I know they were talking to Jared Cook and that's not going to happen. You know, he picked the Saints. So it just it just leaves them in a very tough spot, right? Like right now, yeah. Who are the guys you counting? Julian Edelman, and that's it. I mean, Bruce, it's Bruce Ellington. It's, it's Bruce Ellington and a bunch of other guys after that. Adam, Maurice Harris. Like, yeah. I mean, we, you know, these guys may be pretty good, but we have no idea whether they'll be able to produce and produce at a Patriot Championship level. And and and, and who's playing tight end today? Now I know they're not playing a game today, and I know that the season is coming up and the draft is loaded with tight ends. And I would look for this team to address that position in the draft, much like in the year where they went Gronk in round two and Aaron Hernandez in round four, they've got 12 picks. They've got a draft loaded with tight ends. And we've seen the Patriots 
go tight end early in the past between Daniel Graham and Benjamin Watson, both picked in the first round. I mean, are you going to be surprised if the Patriots now go for a tight end in round one, even trade up to get a tight end in round one? I would not take it. No, they, they need talent at that position. And, and I'll go back to what you said, the, the position that, that Gronk left them in by making this announcement so late. Had you heard, Adam, any rumblings about you know, Gronk yes. not being happy yes. with the – well, not being happy with the organization? Because him waiting this long no. makes it look like he – not he did it on purpose, but that was $10 million they could have spent if he had told them earlier in the offseason. Well, look, look, okay, so let's just say he had told them earlier. Where, where would you have wanted them to spend that money? Like, who would they have spent it on? You tell me. Well, they could have upped their ante I mean, for Adam Humphreys. They could have given Jared, Jared Cook, Cook a number one spot to land there. I mean, there are other guys they could have you know, committed not only the money to Adam, but the position, right? If Jared Cook wanted to be the number one tight end and was telling the Patriots, well, Gronk's still there, no, no, he's retiring. You'll be our number one guy. Yeah, it changes the pitch. Well, okay, that's fair. And Humphreys is the one guy. Humphreys is the one guy that that you would pay, but here's the issue there, right? And and it goes back to what they've done and what they've always been able to do. They they have had Julian Edelman at such a friendly rate that it's always a very delicate issue. Oh, well, we can't pay this guy more than Julian, and so it limits what you're able to do with some of these other players because there's a certain contract structure in mind with these other guys. And you don't want to go out and destroy that structure that they that they they've done an incredible job at working to build up over the years. And like, if you bring in Adam Humphreys and you say, you know what, what did he get in Tennessee? Nine nine and a half million dollars. Okay, Adam Humphreys really really want you. We're going to break the bank here. Ten and a half million, eleven million dollars. Well, what, now you got to go pay Julian Edelman. And I would say to that, okay, well, you know what, Tom Brady's near the end of the line. Um, let's go win as many Super Bowls as we can. If we have to pay these guys more money, that that's the way it is. But that that's they've been so smart and so shrewd about what they've done that at certain right. times like this, I think it, it's hurt them in the every end. every receiver. You know, it doesn't matter who they sign is going to make more than Edelman. I would find it hard to believe that the Patriots brass could be caught off guard, considering Gronk has flirted with this already. In fact, last off season. Apparently, he was traded to Detroit and said, I'll retire before playing there. So you have to believe, especially with a lot of the smoke that's come out from the Gronk camp over the last two or three off-seasons, that they were prepared for this. And let's face the Patriots, led by Belichick, are always prepared for all types of scenarios that unfold. So you know they had a break glass in case of emergency plan B for this very thing. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy to replace Gronk, but you know that it doesn't completely catch them off guard. For Gronk, the only shame is he never really was able to play many years fully healthy. He will retire before he turns 30 years old. But whether it was the back or the forearm, the hip, the leg, he always was so banged up. And so because of that, his numbers, as great as they are, will be compromised in the ultimate debate over one thing, being the greatest tight end of all time. Could you call Gronk the greatest ever? Here's the fans' morning show on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. It's tough to say when you look at the hard numbers that mm-hmm. Rob Gronkowski is better than Tony Gonzalez because numbers are generally the biggest measure in sports. And, I mean, he didn't he lead the NFL in receptions in 2004? Gonzalez? Yeah. Yeah. I believe that's right. If you're talking longevity, if that's the way, if you want to go whole. No, no, I'm just talking better cumulative numbers 
Okay, Gonzalez has the better cumulative numbers. I don't know, and you you point out that Gronk is sort of this hybrid tight end, right? Like mm-hmm. he was. He was he'd line up in the slot, he'd line up outside. Gronkowski, I think, and his talent and his ability made that possible and have given us this whole new slew of hybrid, uh, very athletic tight ends who can get down the field and can use their size and speed together. I don't know if Gonzalez ever had, not to take away from any of the numbers, anything he did, I don't know if he ever had the athleticism, the pure athleticism that Gronkowski had. I mean, he played basketball. Oh, I didn't say he wasn't athletic. I said I don't think he was he had the athleticism that Gronkowski had. Gronkowski changed the position. Gonzalez, as good as he was, didn't change the position, I don't think. Well, Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates, to me, are similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were basketball players who played against Pitt in the NCAA tournaments. Um, and, and But I go all the way back. Now, I have to be the old guy here. Um, <laughs> you know, Russ Francis in the 70s, Howard Cosell famously proclaimed him as all-world. And um, and he was – Russ Francis may have been the first guy that, that started to do the kind of stuff that you saw – you know, Gonzalez and Gates and then Kellen Winslow and then, um, you know, they, or actually Kellen Winslow was before those guys. Uh, Francis and Winslow, I think, were contemporaries. Uh, those guys were the ones that started to, to morph outside a little bit beyond just blockers. Um, you know, the, the thing is, I guess if you go guys nowadays are just bigger, faster, stronger. And the other guys Plus, just weren't as. Just, I mean, Gronk was a. I a won't beast. make this argument, but some people will, and I think there is a bit merit of, of merit to it. Is that Gonzalez didn't play with the greatest quarterback of all time? He really didn't have a quarterback until Matt Ryan. No, it's, it's a fair compare. I mean, you play with Brady for your the entirety of your career, other than what the one year that uh, Brady was injured. Right, you're going to benefit from that, no doubt. But I also think Gronkowski fed into some of what Brady was able to do as well. I don't know, oh, if Brady. For sure. Brady's not going to be nearly as effective next year, assuming Gronkowski stays in retirement. Not going to be nearly as effective without Gr- Rob Gronkowski. Who do you think to go Chad through? Scott would answer this question with, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He all those guys beat him. Uh, Anthony Smith Anthony is somewhere Smith, out there. Madison, yeah. Yeah. all those guys. Who do you think they'd answer this question with? Oh my! You God. know what? We won't get to see uh, whoever the Steelers' new starting inside linebacker is, whether it's Mark Barron or one of these Devons they get in the draft. If they get you one, you know what's going to happen? We won't get to test them against Gronkowski. He, they will. What? You know what's going to happen? He comes back. Like Week Jason fifteen, yeah. injury, whatever. Uh-huh. Can't Gronkow- stay away. Yep, Gronkowski yep. will pull one of those. Give me three weeks to get into shape. Whatever you see him in the first round of the playoffs. That is so Belichickian too. Like stay in shape. Whatever. You don't have to play football. We sign you in week fifteen. Yeah, and he plays one regular season game and then is in the playoffs and he's like a playoff player he just plays three games a year for the for the would that surprise any of us not at all no not in the least you can't call him the most prolific tight end ever because tony gonzalez owns all of those statistical records and i don't think you can call him the greatest tight end ever because john Mackey, to me was the greatest doing what modern tight ends do now but 30 to 40 years before any of them did it back in the 60s and early 70s. Had he played in today's day and age, his numbers would be crazy. But no doubt Gronk is one of the greatest tight ends that ever lived. That's the best in your sports talk for Monday, March the 25th. Let's hope next weekend we get another game like Duke against UCF because that's got everybody jonesing for more college basketball. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.